guarantee you we will not go beyond one o'clock so that uh, uh, amen well um, you know just to remind us again the uh, general subject of this conference uh, is on the matter of our cooperating with the moving triune God in the ultimate move of his economy amen. so we have been seeing that our God is a moving God. He is not just there sitting in the heavens, uh, having nothing to do, uh, just uh, looking at the pitiful people on the earth. Uh, no, this is not at all what he is doing. Rather, our God is indeed a God of purpose. He is a moving God. He has a plan that he is carrying out throughout the ages. So <clears throat> that uh, uh, we mentioned uh, yesterday from uh, the verse in Micah that our God has been going forth. Amen. He went forth out of eternity into time. And in the last 6,000 years, he has been going forth. And he has not stopped. He is still going forth. Amen. Even right now, this weekend, as we are having these meetings, we do believe our triune God, He is still moving. Amen. He is going forth even through all our speaking, through all our fellowship with one another, and is toward this goal, toward a destination that He will gain a building for Himself, uh, this eternal habitation of God and man, consummating in this new Jerusalem. Amen. So, uh, for in, in this move of our God, of this triune God, He is not moving alone by Himself, that He desires to move together with us. That uh, we need to render Him the cooperation. So this is uh, the burden that we have uh, this weekend, that we will see how to cooperate with this moving triune God in his ultimate move on this earth to consummate this age. We saw yesterday that uh, the first matter of our cooperation is our prayer. Amen. These are not just ordinary common prayers, Amen. just uh, offered by people asking God, for different things, uh, to help them to do different things. The prayer requires us, actually the real meaning of prayer is that it is no longer we, but Christ. Amen. Not I, but Christ. Amen. The real focus of our prayer should not be toward ourselves. You know, a lot of the prayers being offered to God these days are very self-centered, uh, just focusing to meet my need, right? The human needs. But the prayer actually, we will also see again today also, prayer actually is a reflection of God's need. Although we are the ones who utter, it, who utter these prayers, but they, the focus of these prayers are not to meet our need, but mainly to meet God's need. Amen. So as... As his people, we learn to deny ourselves, 
we empty ourselves and we allow this moving triune God who is the life-giving spirit today to utter, to deposit his burden within us, his desire within us, and then we would be the vessel to echo, to reflect what is on God's heart. This is the genuine prayer. This will be the prayer. This is the prayer that is needed to cooperate with this moving God to carry out his move on this earth today. Then we saw from the last message, uh, this uh, uh, first meeting this morning, that along with our prayer, we need to live a life, a life of the altar and a tent. Just like our father Abraham, he was called by God. He was a real Hebrew, right? Uh, Abraham was a Hebrew, and Hebrew means a river crosser. Amen. He was originally in the land of Chaldee. He was in the in the in the Babylonish Babylonian land, uh, Babylon. But God appeared to him, and God called him. God did not want him to remain in that idolatrous land, the land of Babylon. God called him to go forth to his. Uh, to the land of his promise is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's where God wanted Abraham to go. But in order to go, he has to leave everything behind. So God, this God of glory, appeared to him. Our God, this wonderful God, is the greatest magnet Amen. in the whole universe. When he appears to you, you cannot help it but to follow him. Abraham was not really that special, uh, different from many of us, although we call him the father of faith. But actually, he also had a lot of weaknesses. Uh, even sometimes I thought maybe worse than me, right? <laughs> worse than many of us. He, he, sold, he sold his wife, right, uh, in order to save his own life. And, uh, you know, he was a chicken, you may say, in some way. But, you know, in spite of that, God appeared to him, and this God of glory attracted him, and he responded. And this God of glory, by his appearing to him, this God transfused himself into him. This is a, a precious matter uh, that our brother Benjamin touched on in this last meeting, that we need to come to, to the Lord, open ourselves to him, to behold him, and to reflect him, to allow this God of glory to transfuse himself into us. Amen. You know, we can follow him. We, can give, we, we want to give ourselves to him, not because we are strong, not because we, are, we have a strong determination, not because uh, you know, of uh, anything that we have that we can do in ourselves, but it's altogether actually is an echo of what this God of glory did to us. You know, he appears to us, and he transfuses us with himself, and then something within us called faith was activated. And this faith in response to him, and tell him, Lord, I love you. I love your, I love this, this glory is too wonderful. Right? I like this. I love you. I want to give myself to you. So that resulted in Abraham's uh, building the altar. And we saw there are these three altars. 
uh, in the last meeting, and the altar here signifies a life of consecration. And as believers, as chosen ones of God, we all need to live a life of consecration. Consecration is not a demand. Consecration actually is a result of us seeing the God of glory. We want to give ourselves to Him. It's not because I have to. It's not because I'm forced to. Because I'm, I love to give myself to Him. Right? He is worthy of everything we have. So we happily consecrate ourselves to Him because it is our honor to, be, to serve and to follow this God of glory. Amen. And uh, so we live, we as His people, we live like following the footsteps of our father Abraham. We live this life of the altar, a life of consecration. And along with this life of consecration, we also live the life of a tent. A tent means that we don't have a permanent place on this earth, right? None of us should feel that, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, this, this is my home and I'm, uh, I, I, uh, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Well, don't say this. Uh, that uh, we actually, the Bible tells us as its believers, we are here as pilgrims. We are strangers uh, and pilgrims on this earth. We are here passing through. Right? For the time being, the Lord has put us here, here in Boston, in Cambridge, in uh, uh, Newton, in the area. Well, who knows, who knows uh, where you will be next year? Right? Uh, I was so glad to see Danny here this time. He was in, uh, in uh, Israel for four years, and the, the wind uh, just blew him back here this, uh, this time. And, uh, you know, he was here a long time ago, and then uh, he was blown to Israel for four years, and now all of a sudden, the, the wind blew him back here. And, uh, and he said, well, we, just, we don't know, you know, where, 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 where he will end up. You know, our, our life is really, uh, you know, just like our father Abraham, God called, God appeared to him, and God called him. And God uh, wanted him to go to this place, to this uh, good land, uh, but he really did not have a, have, a, have a clear map. There was no Google map at that time to, uh, to give him the, 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 the clear direction, you know, to, uh, to go. But every day, that forced Abraham to come to God, to open to God, where should I go now next time, this next journey, this next part of the journey. Every day, by contacting this uh, God of glory, he was led to move forward step by step, right? And he established these, uh, as he was moving forward in that journey, he built these altars. So that, uh, that shows that Abraham was living an intimate contact, an intimate, a life of intimate fellowship with God all the way. So our life does not belong to this earth. This world is not worthy of us. Brothers and sisters, we have to see as a called one of God, we are now, uh, 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 we, have been, we have been saved, we have received the divine life into us. That is the most glorious life, that is the most wonderful life, the highest life in this universe. Now, we are living as pilgrims and sojourners on this earth. We are not here, we are, God does not expect us to make our home, to make our future here. 
Uh, like Abraham, he was sojourning through the, the land, actually looking for a city with a foundation whose architect and builder is God. That refers to the coming new Jerusalem. And brothers and sisters, indeed, that is what our destiny should be. We are not living for another twin tower, right? We are not living for another, uh, you know, another, you know, another economical swell, you know. Uh, We are here looking to that permanent city. Amen. Today, we are just making our tent on this earth, passing through, right? Then living, following the footsteps of our, of our father Abraham, living this life of consecration and living a life of not being rooted on this earth, not being occupied, not being uh, uh, settled, uh, uh, set in our ways, and being infused by this God of glory, we just want to be those, like the Bible says, he who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Amen. So, uh, the Lord these days in his goings for us, he is spreading, he is uh, spreading all, uh, uh, multiplying, and he is spreading uh, over the whole earth. And we want to be that people who would be open to him, right, by being infused by him, consecrated to him, being filled with him, and being one with him, then he can move in and through us to wherever he wants to lead us. Amen. Well, this final meeting, we come to uh, another uh, aspect of our cooperation with this moving triune God. That is the matter of fruit bearing. As we are praying, as we are praying to this moving triune God, and we are consecrating ourselves to Him and living this life of the altar and the tent, that our goal is that we would live a fruit-bearing life, a fruitful life. You know, even you know, if uh, the Lord may uh, lead us from place to place, right? We may move from one, uh, one city to another city, uh, one country to another country, well, for what? Not just to, for us to, to uh, go to visit many new, new places, but for us to be fruitful. Amen. You know, God's desire is that we would bear fruit. Amen. Even from the beginning, when God created man, Adam, uh, in his own image and with his likeness, then he charged them that they would be fruitful. You replenish the earth. At the beginning, God only created one man. And then, from with his rib, he built a woman to be his counterpart. And with this, from this new couple, God charged them that they would be fruitful. They would multiply the whole earth. God's desire is not just to have mainly one couple, you know, to be the king to just rule over the whole earth by themselves, God wants to have many men, many duplication, reproduction from this first man, right? Physically speaking, to fill this whole earth. Now 6,000 years, 
since the since the uh, creation of man. Now I don't know adding to, up together how many billions of people live has been living on have uh, had lived on this earth. Presently, there are over six billion people on this earth. Well, indeed, God's promise, God's word was fulfilled. People are filling, replenished the whole earth. But that is only on the physical side. God spoke that from the, in the physical realm to indicate, to point to in the spiritual realm that God desires that his spiritual life would be multiplied, Amen. would be reproduced to replenish the earth, Amen. that the earth, the kingdom of the earth, will become the kingdom of Christ and of, and, uh, and of God. Amen. The whole earth today is just, sorry to say, is still very much a kingdom of Satan. It's the kingdom of the prince of this age. Now, <clears throat> through the gospel, through the coming of Jesus Christ as the God-man to bring the gospel to us, that many are being saved, right? Many have been brought to him. Many have been regenerated with God's life. We become his reproduction. We become his multiplication. Now, praise the Lord that, you know, all, uh, all over the earth, nearly all over all the continents of the earth, there are the reproduction of Christ there, right? As the uh, uh, duplication of this God-man who was 2,000 years ago was just by himself, was just Jesus Christ. But now, this unique seed, this one grain, has been multiplied into millions and millions of the believers. Amen. We become the members of Christ. We, we all the believers become parts of Christ Amen. to be the, all, the, the enlarged, the enlargement and extension of this Christ. This is our God's desire that he will not just remain in himself only, but that his life would increase, would multiply, and pre-propagate it. So this is our burden uh, this weekend. To see for this, we need to pray. We need to live this life of the altar and the tent, and also to bear fruit. It is not too much. Actually, it is normal for every believer to bear fruit. Amen. You know, unfortunately, uh, due to our, our passivity, due to our, our own um, uh, you know, our, our, our nature, that uh, you know, we, don't, we are not so exercised, we are not so conscious uh, in, this, in this matter of fruit bearing. You know, initially when we first got saved, actually we were very fervent. We, we, had a, we had a burning desire within us. We want to tell everyone we know what we just experienced. I just met the Savior. I just got saved. Oh, it felt so good. It feels so happy. I want to tell everybody about it. But after a, after a period of time, that kind of zeal started to wear, wear, wear off. And then we kind of getting used to a uh, state of barrenness. And we just consider that's the way it is. But this weekend, we want to tell you that's not the way it should be. That may be the way it is right now, but that's not the way it should be. Amen. 
God intends that each one of us, as his believer, as a member of himself, that with this life that has been reproduced in us, that we ought to bear fruit. It is normal for every believer to bear fruit. So, that's why at the uh, end of the Lord's life, before he left the earth, he charged his disciples to go forth to preach the gospel, right? To the whole creation, to disciple the nations. Well, and also in John 15, which we'll be focusing on this morning, that we as branches of the vine, that we have been set to go forth to bear fruit. It is only normal for a believer, after, he, after his being saved, that he will bring others to the Lord. To bear fruit, that means to, through the gospel, that we can bring some new ones to the Lord, that they can also enjoy the same salvation that we are enjoying. So we are burdened that uh, in order to participate in the moving, in the, uh, the move of this ultimate move of our triune God, we need to, the Lord has to recover this sense, this consciousness, even this burden of fruit bearing within us. This is only normal. This is not something extraordinary. This is not something only for the super spiritual ones. It is a normal capacity and it's a normal duty and responsibility for every believer. That is to bear fruit. And if the Lord can even just even through this weekend put this desire within all of us that we would pray for this, that even we would ask the Lord, Lord, how about give me one fruit this year? Amen. I don't ask for much. I don't ask to get people saved left and right every week. But Lord, just give me one fruit this year. Don't belittle this one fruit a year. In just even one fruit a year, I tell you, we will replenish the whole earth. In just a number of years, I think there will be, you know, this is, this is normal. And the Lord has to really instill and recover, instill this normal consciousness within all the members. And this is not a work. This is not some kind of a demand. This is only what is normal to that divine life that, is, that, that you have received within you. Amen. So with this, um, let's come to take a look at this outline. Amen. The subject, the title of this outline, on message four, is on the universal spreading of Christ as the true vine the organism of the triune God in the economy of God. Uh, Here, it talks about the true vine. In John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine. I think many Christians are somewhat familiar with this chapter, but probably many do not have an intrinsic seeing of all the deep significance hidden in this chapter. The Lord began this chapter by saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. In this universe, there is 
a vine tree. And Jesus Christ calls himself the true vine, implying that all the other vines are fake, including the the Queen's vine in London. (laughs) Anybody from London here, sorry, you know, don't be offended. You know, even that great, wonderful vine, the Queen's vine in London, it was, uh, uh, I saw it. And, you know, it was really a, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. But that is a fake. <laughs> the true vine is Christ. Amen. All the, you know, the uh, physical things are used by God to point, to denote the spiritual reality. Amen. And Jesus Christ likened and says... Himself, He did not say, I'm like a true vine. He said, I am the true vine. All the vine trees, uh, all the vines on this earth are just picture, are just types to refer us, to point us to this true vine. That we may learn, even from all these figures, how this Christ, uh, how this Christ function. He is the true vine, and as a vine tree, he is, this is an organism. It is not an organization. Organization is uh, man-made, is put together by human beings, but this vine tree is organic, is something of life, is an organism. We call this the organism of the triune God. Our God is a triune God. He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Spirit. These are not three gods, although there are these three aspects, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but they are still just one God. They are the triune God. This triune God has an organism. This organism is what John 15 calls the true vine. This true vine, on the one hand, refers to Christ, because Jesus says, I am the true vine. But right after that, Jesus says, my father is the husbandman. He is the vine dresser. He is the owner of this vineyard. God the Father, you know, God the Father, he is a farmer. God the Father is not someone sitting in the heavens waiting for some people to bow to him, to worship him. God the Father, as seen here, he is the husbandman. He is a farmer to take care of this vineyard. And in this vineyard, he is growing a vine tree. This gigantic, awesome vine tree. This vineyard is unlike any other vineyards on the earth because in this vineyard there's only one, one vine. There are not many vine trees. But this one gigantic vine, this is Christ the Son as the true vine with many branches sprawling, spreading over the entire earth. The, king, the queen's vine spread over, you know, across a few rooms. But this Triune God's vine sprawls, spreads 
across all six continents. The whole universe is a vineyard. And in this vineyard, God the Father, as the husbandman, as the vine dresser, he is cultivating this unique vine, which is Christ the Son. You know, it's a, this is an organism of the triune God. Although only the Son and the Father are mentioned here, actually the Spirit is also implied. Amen. Wherever the Son and the Father are mentioned, the Spirit is also implied. This is a triune God. And if you read, maybe we can read a little bit later, John 15, in those verses... A num- in, at least in three places, when the Lord talks about this vine tree, He brings in the Father. I'm the true vine, the Father is the husbandman. Right? When we this vine, we bear much fruit, my Father will be glorified. Amen. This vine tree is not only about Christ Himself. This vine tree is about the triune God. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this is an organism of the triune God in the economy of God. What is the economy of God? The economy of God is the plan of God. As we, have seen, as we mentioned at the beginning, God has a plan in the very beginning when he created man with a view that man created in his image with his likeness, and also given his dominion so that man may become God's expression. Why would God create man in that particular way, in his own image, in God's image? Because God desires that man would be his expression. This is God's economy, that he would make man in his image so that man would become his expression and given his authority to represent him. This is God's economy. And in order for God to gain, to accomplish this economy, to complete this plan, he needs to carry out some steps. How to dispense himself into his chosen people. Here in John 15, we see how God does it. He is cultivating this vine tree. Christ the Son, He is the true vine. And then we the believers, we are the branches of that vine tree. This is altogether too wonderful. This is not something of man's work, of man's arrangement, This is something of God's dispensing of his life from himself into his chosen people. This trying God one day branch into me, branch into you. And that's how you became also a branch on the vine. At one time, we had nothing to do with this vine. This vine was somewhere you know, far away, and I'm here, you know, as a little man doing my own thing. But one day, somehow, by chance, 
you know, someone came to talk to me about Jesus, right? And then something got sparked within you. Something, you know, the gospel is a good word. It's a good news. When you hear the good news, something responded within you. You say, I like this. As you open yourself and you pray with this uh, whoever he was, you know, happened to be speaking to you, you pray to this one, you say, Lord Jesus, I like this. I need you. I will receive you as my Savior. Lord, as you just call Lord, this one who is the vine tree, he branched into you. (laughs) He branched into you. And by his branching into you, he makes you a branch. And right away, you become a branch. By his branching into us, that we became the branches of this vine tree. Something as the branch of this vine tree, that this very triune God, he dispenses his very life into us. Whatever he is, with all his riches contained in his life, now flowing into us, enabling us, now as the branches of the vine, to, even, to bear fruits, right? The fruit, the bearing of fruits actually is a further expression. It's a kind of an overflowing of this life that is within the vine, within the branches, now flowing out to become the fruits. So God has this economy that he would dispense himself into his chosen people so that through them he may gain an expression. If anyone has seen a vineyard, has seen a divine in blossom, it is really quite a sight. You see all these clusters of grapes hanging there, just all throughout the vine. It is a, really is a, it gives you a, a wonderful feeling. My, this is, this is rich. This is a, a, a really a, a marvelous sight of the richness of this life. Well, God, the, this, with this, these, uh, as, the, uh, as the, the vine is the bearing fruits, there is a wonderful expression, right? And this is what the triune God desires to gain, an expression in this universe through the fruit-bearing of the branches. My, the more he sees all these fruits being born, clusters of grapes on, on this vine, the more, as the Lord says, he, the Father is being glorified. Amen. This is the fulfill, This is the completion of God's economy through this uh, universal spreading of Christ as the true vine. Now, Roman numeral one, the first point says the organic increase and universal spreading of the church is the multiplication of Christ in the fruit bearing of the branches of Christ, the true vine in the universe, as the organism of the triune God in the economy of God. So pay attention to these few words, the multiplication of Christ. This organic increase and the universal spreading of the church is the multiplication of Christ. 2,000 years ago, in the land of Palestine, there was only one man by the name of Jesus Christ. He was the first God-man. He was God becoming a man. 
incarnated to be a man, born in a manger, lived on the earth for 33 and a half years. And toward the end of his life, he says in John chapter 12, he said, unless a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth many grains. Up to that point, Jesus Christ was the only grain, was the unique grain. He was God living on the earth. He was God incarnated as a man. But now he was about to go to the cross to be crucified to carry out the work of redemption. And then after he died, he was crucified. In three days, he resurrected to become a life-giving spirit. As this spirit, he is being dispensed into all of his believers. And that spirit, carrying with it the divine life, regenerated all those believers, making them sons of God, members of Christ. In this way, in this way, through his resurrection, no longer just only one man, one grain that has the life of God, but now there are millions of grains, many grains that are the duplication of that one unique grain. Praise the Lord. That life of God, which was once only within the person of Jesus Christ, now has been reproduced and multiplied into many, one, many of us. Amen. And it's within me, within you, within him. We are the multiplication of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, in a very good sense, we are the many, many Jesuses. Amen. Right? The same life that was in that Jesus Christ has been reproduced within all of us. We are his multiplication. Amen. Through his death, through his resurrection, now becoming the life-giving spirit, coming into us to make us his duplication, his multiplication. And he desires that this multiplication will not just stop at us, stop at you, stop at me. He wants to continue even through us who are now the branches, from the branches we bear more fruits, Amen. right? We bear more fruit. So we many, this multiplication process continues. So with this, we come to this chapter of John 15. I think especially for the sake of uh, some of the new ones who may be, uh, uh, who are maybe with us the first time, I'd like to read these verses to you. In John chapter 15, this is a wonderful and a uh, very mysterious chapter in the Bible. This was spoken by the Lord Jesus uh, just shortly before he went to be crucified. In verse 1 he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. The husbandman means that he is, a, uh, he is the uh, cultivator. Uh, he is the land worker. He is a farmer. And verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. 
you are already clean. That means it's uh, actually the same as uh, pruned. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If one does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is dried up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. In this is my Father glorified. Hear the Father again. That you bear much fruit, and so you will become my disciples. As the Father has loved me. Again, the Father is here. He has loved me. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all the things which I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I set you that you should go forth and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, that you may love one another. You can see in this portion I just read, numerous times the Lord referred to the Father. Amen. This picture of the, of the fruit bearing is, is about this triune God. Although Christ the Son, He is the central figure. He is that true vine. But right next to it, is the Father, who is the husbandman. The triune God is fully involved in the cultivation of this vine tree. Amen. Now let me, uh, 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 to, 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 to look into this, uh, to understand more what this uh, chapter says, these next four Roman numerals will tell us, in Roman numeral two, what this vine tree is. What is this vine? And then Roman numeral 3 will tell us how we are related to this vine tree, right? So we first understand what this vine tree is, and then how we are related to this vine tree. And then in Roman numeral 4, we will see the issue of us, branches, abiding in the vine, related to the vine, what will become the issue? And then the last point will be on a vital activity needed to be carried out 
in order to bear fruit as the branches of the vine tree. Romans 2 says, as the true vine, Christ is the center of God's operation in the universe. So, Jesus Christ is that true vine. This is the central picture, the central figure in John 15. It's about Christ. God's pleasure is altogether centered and focused in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, He is the embodiment of God the Father. In Colossians 2, verse 9, it says, All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in this Christ bodily. The body, the, God the Father is fully pleased with this Christ. His pleasure, His love centered on this Christ, on His Son, His beloved Son. And this Son is the true vine. So the Father, who is the husbandman, who is the farmer, He just pours out whatever He has on this vine to cultivate this vine. This Christ is the center of God's operation in the universe. He says the entire universe is a vineyard, and centered in this vineyard is the true vine, which is Christ the Son. Everything that the Father, God the Father is and has is for this center, is embodied in this center, and is expressed through this center. So, <clears throat> God the Father... In himself, he is invisible, right? He is, uh, uh, he is in the heavens. But our Father God has the desire to be expressed. And he embodied himself in his Son, Jesus Christ, who 2,000 years ago came to be incarnated as a man who lived on this earth among us. He is that true vine. He is that vine tree embodying all that God the Father is and all that the Father has. So in John 16, the Lord Jesus says, whatever I have is from the Father. Whatever the Father has is embodied in me. Right? If you, if we, if you receive this Christ, you receive this Father. When you enjoy this Christ, you enjoy all that the Father has. Amen. He embodies the Father. The Father's pleasure is centered on this Christ. This is this wonderful vine tree. B says, this true vine, which is the center of God's operation in the universe, is for the propagation and multiplication of life. I love this picture of the vine tree. I don't know about so many things on, in this universe Christ did not pick, but he used this vine tree to, to, uh, to uh, identify to, with himself. He didn't liken himself to a, uh, you know, to a, uh, to a column, you know, to a piece of uh, wood, or to a, but he likened himself to a vine tree. Amen. A vine tree, the significance, the, the, the particular feature of the vine tree is mainly two things. One is multiplication, the fruitfulness. And second is the spreading, the propagation. You see the vine just sprawls and spreads. If you, if, you let it, if you let it continue, you won't stop it. 
and this vine is strong and it's healthy, it will just keep going. That's the feature of, this, of the vine tree. It does not go up. It just goes horizontal. You just, keep, you just keep crawling, crawling, and if you let it go, it will go everywhere. And it's, it bears fruit. In this universe, there is such a plant called a vine, used by, used by the Lord to liken to himself. He is that true vine. He is here for to bear fruit, clusters of fruit. Many, many fruits. And he is here to spread, to propagate himself. Not only across a few rooms, but all over the continents. Now there are fruits in Africa, fruits in China, fruits in Asia, fruits in the Middle East, fruits in Europe, in Russia, in Australasia. In South Africa, South America, all the continents, my, this, this vine has spread to, has propagated. To propagate life is to spread life widely. And to multiply life is to produce life. So you have the propagation more spatially, right, spreading to many areas. And you have the multiplication, more numerically, there are just many, many fruits are being reproduced. This propagation and multiplication of life is to express life for the glorification of the Father. So the more, like in the, in the vineyard with a vine tree, you see these clusters of grapes. You see, then your impression is that, my, this, uh, this vine is so rich in life. So through these fruits, the life of the vine is being expressed. Amen. If you go to, uh, you know, if you come to a vineyard, you see this tree, this vine, you know, all dried up, you know, little wrinkly little branches. That doesn't give you a very happy feeling, you know. This is a poor, poor, poor thing, you know. And you see this vine, on the other hand, you see this vine, clearing clusters of grapes. My, you see the richness of life. Amen. God the Father's life is so rich. But how can this rich life be expressed? It is expressed through the fruit bearing. Amen. How can men know the rich life in our Father? They will not know until they see these fruits being, bo- being born in so, many, in so many people. Right? My, when you see some... Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I do, by the laws of arrangement, I do travel a bit, you know, in the different parts of the world. And it's just so encouraging to see the richness of the Father's life Amen. being manifested in different peoples, different parts of the world. You go to Africa, you go to Australasia, you go to China, you go to, uh, you know, just some of the far out places. You wonder, you know, do, uh, uh, do those people ever, do those people ever know God? You know, anything ever happened there? Until they just, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they, they just uh, give you a little praise the Lord. <laughs> then you realize this one also has the Father's life in him. And you see the richness of the Father's life. Amen. My, it just, it just uh, humbles you, right? That we are so little in ourselves, but the Father's life is so rich in being, being manifested 
in so many areas, so many people, different shapes and forms, you know, kinds of people, but yet God's life got reached, it reached them Amen. and being manifested through them. Amen. This is for the expression of life. Now, C says, the vine and the branches are an organism to glorify the Father, to have the intent, the content, the inner life, and the inner riches released and expressed from within. In John 15, you have the Son, who is the true vine. You also have the Father there as the husbandman, plus us, who are the branches. You have these three parties. Now, as a you know, working together in this picture. Then, this organism is for the glorification of the Father. What does it mean to glorify the Father? Uh, let's go to uh, little point one says, in verse 8, the word glorified means to have the intent, the content, the inner life, and the inner riches released and expressed. Within God the Father, he has a certain intention. This is, intention is his desire. You know, just like you come to school, you have an intention, you want to get your PhD, you want to become, uh, you know, the next uh, Nobel laureate, you want to, uh, you have certain intention, right? Within God the Father, he also has certain intention. He has certain desire. And also within him, there, are the, there is the inner life, that rich life, the inner riches. But all these are hidden in himself. Nobody knows. But now, God the Father says, I want this to be expressed. Amen. How? It's through fruit bearing. It's through the many fruits being born. You know, many of us, we think, oh, we need to glorify God. Glorify, I need to behave myself so that I have good conduct. I can glorify God. Strictly speaking, no matter how good you behave yourself, you cannot glorify God. Right? Because no matter how good you are, how perfect you are, you are still you. And according to Jeremiah says, even man's righteousness is filthy rags in God's eyes. How can you glorify God by your good behavior? God can only be glorified when His own life is being released. This is why fruit bearing is so crucial for the glorification of the Father, is that it allows the Father's life to be released. As you go to preach the gospel, as you go to shepherd a young one, a new one, as you just speak something of Christ into them, you allow the Father's life to flow out of you and into others. And it's in this way the Father is being glorified, not by your good behavior, but by His life being released. It's in this way the Father is being glorified. When the life of the vine is expressed through the branches in its propagation and multiplication, the Father is glorified because what the Father is in the riches of His life is expressed in the propagation and multiplication of the vine. This is the glorification of the Father. Amen. Just by saying glory be to God, does not glorify the Father. <laughs> right? It is by your releasing the Father's life Amen. through fruit bearing. My, then you see the Father is happy. The Father is glorified. As the organism of the triune God in the economy of God, the true vine is for the multiplication and spread 
of this processed and consummated triune God in millions of his chosen people. I hope we see this picture of the true vine. This is what is on, our, on the heart of our Father God. This is his intent. This is the very content of his inner being, his inner life, and all the inner riches of his life, desiring to, have, look, looking for an opportunity to burst, Amen. to flow out, Amen. to be released, Amen. so that he may be glorified. Amen. Now we come to the thing, see the next section on how we are related to this vine tree. We need to be brought into a full realization of the fact that we all are branches of the universal vine. We have become branches of the vine, members of Christ, by the branching out of the vine. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, He branched into us. If God has branched into you, say hallelujah. 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 God has branched into me. Many years ago, God branched into me. And into so many of us. We didn't, have that. we didn't have anything to do. We didn't try to become a Christian. We didn't try to go to church. But just somehow, some way, we all have our story to tell. But one day, God just, this vine just zap, come in, just branch into us. Amen. And His branching into us makes us a branch. Amen. Makes us a branch. For us to be a branch means what? Means that Christ has become our life. You know, the branches of the vine is very wonderful because the, bra- the branches are practically, are practically the vine. <laughs> right? I mean, you can hardly uh, 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 divide which part is the vine and which part are the branches. The branches are the vine. And now by us being branched into by God, and now we become the branches... Now that life in the vine flows spontaneously into all the branches. The life of the vine becomes the life of the branches. Amen. So Colossians 3, 4 says, Now Christ is our life. Amen. The Christ who says, I am the true vine, He is my life. Amen. So we branches are not screwed on, glued <laughs> onto this vine tree. Right? We didn't, you know, God, you know, there, there's some just, you know, in, I know in some kids' uh, 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 elementary school, you know, these maybe teachers try to, try to uh, teach your children to make some trees and you stick these branches on it. We are not like that. We, are, we didn't got, you know, uh, uh, screwed on or, or glued on. Right? The triune God branch into me. <laughs> and now making me a branch and the life in the vine becomes my life. My life is Christ. It's exactly the same life as the life in the vine. And C is very precious. It says, Christ as the vine does everything through his believers as the branches. Without him, we can do nothing. And without us, he can do nothing. We need him and he needs us. I know we all agree, we need him. But do you realize he needs you? Right, Peter, do you dare to say, Lord, you need me. Lord, you need me. Amen. You know, many times we pray, Lord, we need you. I'm so weak. I need you. But the Lord, the Lord in turn will, will turn, back to, turn back to us and say, I also need you. You know, with the vine, the wonderful thing is that all the fruits 
are not born on the, bra- on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the main stem. All the fruits are born on the branches. So if you, don't, if you as a branch, you don't bear fruit, this vine has no chance. So the vine needs all the branches to be available to allow his life to flow in and to flow out to bear fruit. So although we need him as the life supply to come into us, but he needs us as the branches to flow out his life to bear fruit. As branches of the vine, we need to abide in the vine. What we are, what we have, and what we do must be in the Lord and by the Lord in us. The Lord, a couple of times says, abide in me and I in you. As branches, one of the key conditions is that in order for us to bear fruit, we need to abide in Him. What is to abide in Him? It means to remain with Him. Yes, you are a branch, but this branch is just removed from the vine and is placed somewhere else. That branch is not going to bear fruit. Even though you have the potential to bear fruit, but you are not going to bear fruit because you are not attached to the vine tree. Right. So in order to bear fruit, you must abide in the vine. Amen. That means you must attach to him. You must be open to him. You must be joined to him. Right? Every day you call Lord Jesus. Amen. When you say Lord Jesus, you exercise your spirit to call on his name. You allow, you allow that life juice from the, from the vine to flow into you. Amen. You remain on the vine tree. Right? As you abide in Him, right away you realize He also abides in you. Amen. What, if we would abide in the vine, we must first see the fact that we are branches in the vine and then we need to maintain the fellowship between us and the Lord. So it is important for us to, to, to see that the abiding is not something that we should try to do. Don't try to abide. You just need to see the fact that you are already a part of the vine tree. Amen. Right? God put us there. God put us in Him. It is of God that we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we are already in there. We just have to remain in there. Right? Don't try to get in. Lord, I want to abide in you. I want... Don't... You don't have to try to abide in Him. Lord, thank you that I'm already in you. Amen. I'm already part of you. Amen. I just want to stay in you. Amen. This is a marvelous fact. Our destiny, listen brothers and sisters, our destiny as branches of the universal vine is to bear fruit for the glorification of the Father. This God-appointed destiny is fulfilled by the practice of the God-ordained way to carry out God's New Testament economy. What is your destiny? Your destiny is not to be rich. Your destiny is not to be famous. Your destiny is to bear fruit. Amen. Frank, what is your destiny? To bear fruit. Amen. As branches, we all have to realize this is our God-ordained destiny. Amen. When you bear fruit, you'll be the most happiest guy on the earth. Amen. Oh, I hope in, the, you know, in a little bit, after lunch, some of you go to pre- preach the gospel. I hope you will meet many sons of peace. Amen. Oh, when you, when you see some person calling on the Lord's name before your eyes, getting saved, I tell you, that is heaven's joy on earth. Amen. That is, I tell you, you are the happiest guy. Because you realize, this is my destiny as a branch. This branch of the vine is not for making furniture. 
This branch of the vine is for bearing fruit. Amen. Don't forget our destiny. If you are depressed, if you are, you know, kind of out of it, I encourage you, go to preach the gospel. <laughs> go with someone. Go with some, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm just, uh, you know, out of it. You go with some brother, just pray a little bit. You go out to preach the gospel. You share the Lord with others. I tell you, the joy floods you. Amen. Because you touch your destiny. This is what we are made to do as branches. Now, the next point, I mean, I have to go very quickly that here we are touching the issue of such an abiding of the vine, in the vine as branches. When we abide in Christ as the universal vine, we have the church life. The branches are one with the vine and with one another. Well, don't forget this in this vine tree, it's not just, you never see a vine tree has only one branch. Right? It has thousands of branches and branch after branch in other words this shows the significance of the church life this vine tree when you say you abide in the Lord you are, this is not just describing your personal relationship with the Lord this describes your living in this corporate Christ living in the body with many members we are one with the vine, and also we are one with all the branches. The church life, the body, is a life of loving one another. We need to love one another in the life of Christ, in the love of Christ, and in the commission of Christ. In order to bear fruit, we not only need to abide in Christ the vine, but also to take care of one another as the fellow branches by loving one another. We have to be in the church life. We have to live in the body life in order to bear fruit as a corporate vine tree. When we abide in Christ, we participate in the wonderful fellowship among the co-branches. The inner life of all the branches is one, and this life should continually circulate through all the branches. Right? It doesn't matter where you're from, what color, what race, what, color, what language. We all have the same one life within us. Amen. And let this one life, we love one another, it circulate uh, within us. And the church life is the fellowship, the communion, the co-participation, the mutual enjoyment of Christ. Amen. All the local churches should remain in this unique fellowship, the fellowship of the body. Because we are in this one flow, we cannot be separated by space. No matter where we may be, we are all in the one fellowship. Amen. So even, uh, you know, uh, uh, nothing can separate us. Even after this meeting, the meeting may end in a few minutes, but the fellowship doesn't end. Amen. Right? The circulation doesn't end. Right. We continue to circulate. Amen. Okay, this, this last point, this is uh, touching on the, a particular activity. I call it a, a vital activity that needs to be carried out by these branches of the vine to bear fruit in a normal way. This is for the spreading, universal spreading of Christ as a true vine. We need to have effective prayers for fruit bearing. We need to have effective prayers. This is mentioned in verse 7 of chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Prayer is man cooperating and co-working with God, allowing God to express himself through man and thus accomplish his purpose. Prayer is not man coming up with his prayer list, his shopping list to come to God, to tell God what we need, what we want. Prayer is actually man 
cooperating and co-working with God to allow God to express Himself through us. Amen. So our prayer, we, as we pray, we are merely the vehicle, the means to allow God to voice forth, to utter forth what is on His heart. A praying one will cooperate with God, work together with God, and allow God to express Himself and His desire from within Him and through Him. Real prayers cause our being to be wholly mingled with God, causing us to become a person of two parties, God mingled with man. Amen. You know, actually, the, one of the reference verses up there under point eight, James 5, 17, it talks about Elijah. He was praying earnestly. And in the Greek, in the original, it, it has the, 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 the real uh, translation there is, is the, uh, Elijah was praying in a prayer. There was already a prayer within him. And Elijah was praying in that prayer. What is a real prayer? Prayer is actually, as someone says, it is actually the Christ in us praying to the Christ in the heavens. So as we pray, we allow this one, this Christ, to put his prayer in us. We are just a vehicle to transmit, to utter forth that prayer he put within us. As Elijah did, he prayed a prayer that was within him. This is the real prayer. Then B says we need to pray in the Lord's name as the issue of our abiding in the Lord and of His words abiding in us. As believers, we are charged to pray in the Lord's name. It doesn't mean that we have to literally say, in Jesus' name I pray. It's not just mean that. The real significance of being in the Lord's name means that we are one with the Lord. Amen. He and we are one. We are in the real significance of being one with the Lord to be in the real significance of in the Lord's name. When we abide in the Lord and let His words abide in us, we actually are one with Him and He works within us and there will be a desire in us that comes out of His words and His desire will become our desire. As we abide in the Lord, the word says, He abides in us. But then in verse 7 it says, His words abide in us. The one who abides in us, he speaks. He is not quiet. He is not silent. As we abide in him, he abides in us. And he, his abiding, he, he abides in us with his words. He speaks. He transmits to us his desire. So, and through his speaking, we, we come to know what he likes, what he doesn't like. When we ask in prayer for what we will, it is not only we who are praying, for He is praying in our praying. Because His words abide in us, transmitting to us what He desires. So that became the source of our prayer. So when we pray that, strictly speaking, it's not just our prayer, it is His prayer being uttered forth through us. The Lord says, I will definitely answer that. B says, the Lord will answer this kind of prayer because it issues from abiding in the Lord and from His words abiding in us. To ask in the Lord's name requires us to abide in the Lord and allow Him and His words to abide in us so that we, can, we may actually be one with Him. When we ask, He asks in our asking. 
This kind of asking is related to fruit bearing and will surely be answered by the Father. So this matter of asking is mentioned here in John 15 is definitely will is implying that for the fruit bearing we need to ask. We need to have much prayer, effective prayer for our fruit bearing. We don't trust in our plan, our arrangement, our work for the fruit bearing. We need to begin this life of fruit bearing by our prayer, offering much effective prayers. May the Lord bless all the churches in New England to be fruitful, full of prayers, full of a life of altar and a tent. None of us is settled in any way that we are fully available and uprooted, unsettled, following our father Abraham and living this life of fruitfulness. Even just to pray, asking the Father, give me one fruit this year. It is only, it's it's normal. We have to go against this abnormal trend of fruitlessness, of barrenness. It is normal for every believer to bear fruit. And we all can bear fruit if we begin to uh, pray effectively. Effectively. Okay? Amen. I just stop here. Um, Maybe we can... uh, Maybe just pray with each other for a minute, okay? That we pray with your, the one next to you. Uh, help uh, just to uh, absorb this word into us, okay? Amen, Lord. Amen.